Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground. Alternative activists empowerment talk radio. Speaking truth to our and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know? Don't tell me Negro. That's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? I am a revolutionary. It's about what we didn't do. Amen. Then it speaks to us and the possibility for us as a future person. Because ultimately, our people's future resides on what we do outside of the White House. African descent fairly, America failed. She put them in chains. The government put them on slave quarters, put them on action blo- auction blocks, put them in cotton fields, put them in inferior schools, put them in substandard housing, put them in scientific experience, experiments, put them in the lowest paying jobs, put them outside the equal protection of the law, kept them out of their racist bastions of higher education, and locked them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America? No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God... Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our Common Ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk, that matters. Transforming truth truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. And good evening and thank you for being with us here at Our Common Ground. We're glad to be back a little bit under the weather last Saturday. Oh, yeah. But we hope that you enjoyed our uh, wonderful library, which chronicles... um, the black experience, black issues, both politically, culturally, and um, had a very good uh, Easter season, but it is good to be back. We also want to send out wishes to, well, wishes to our host of the Alpha show at TruthWorks Network. Uh, Alpha was a little bit hospitalized. (laughs) Can you imagine somebody being... That age had never been in Osville before in his life, and he was way out of his zone, but he's at home and recuperating. Um, Of course, not cooperating, which is different from recuperating, which will make the recuperation a little longer than it might be, but we're glad to know that he's back at home with his family taking care of him. 
I am here taking care of my family, and I feel a grand brag coming up. It's coming up. It's coming up on this Saturday night at Our Common Ground because we're going to be talking about our youth uh, tonight here at Our Common Ground. Author um, A.J. Taihimba is going to be with us about his new book, Truth for Our Youth, a guide for self-empowerment for teens, and we're going to be doing that in the first hour. And late in the second hour, we're going to be dealing with something that, I mean, uh, can you imagine, uh, and I was in bed for like four or five days, and all I had was an iPad, a TV, and a telephone, and can you imagine, (laughs) and I couldn't talk, by the way, I mean, that's a very painful thing. You don't try it when you cannot talk. You cannot get enough air through the passageway to push out the words. Otherwise, I would have been here last week, and we would have been with Byron Price to organize around the school-to-prison pipeline locally, which we will do next Saturday night. So imagine having very limited information and not really taking it in and waking up and the craziness in America just got worse. It just got worse. But I want to thank my colleague and good friend, Norm Goldman and Mike Papatino and Ed Schultz and Rachel Maddow um, for keeping me in the loop, even though I felt like I was losing my mind because America just keeps just keeps falling into the black abyss of craziness, insanity. Some of this stuff is insane, and we're going to cover it. Uh, late in the second hour by looking at a man by the name of Clyde Bundy who seems to be the talk of the town who seems to can't keep his big mouth closed we're going to we're going to talk about that we're going to preview that before we get with our guest tonight um we want to make some notes here um if you are Listening on your smart device by calling 347-838-9852, you can join our chat room at blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG. And I haven't looked in there, but you know, people always ask me, why is your opening so long? It's long because I have to deal with CP time. And you can call 347-838-9852 and Put your hand up to ask the question if you don't understand what CP Time is doing. I have been doing this thing for 28 years, and I know nobody is sitting in their seats with their drinks and their fish and chips or fish, chicken and chips dinner, late dinner, listening to Our Common Ground. I mean, I used to broadcast for many years from 10 to 1 p.m., 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., Monday through Friday, and y'all still couldn't be on time. So that is why I have to navigate, I I have to respond to, not necessarily respect, CP time. And that's why 
our opening is so long. On top of it's a good message. You got a little Malcolm there. You got a little um, uh, Reverend Dr. Irene Carruthers. You got a little Reverend um, um, uh, Jeremiah E. Wright. You got some Malcolm. You got some Fred Hampton. You got yeah, some messages in there. So. Um, I'm not apologizing for it. I'm just trying to explain it to you. You understand? So that's what we're going to be doing tonight. And um, I want to do. I do want to shout out um, happy birthday to um, my dear, dear friend Odessa Smith in Richmond, Virginia. She is celebrating her 70th birthday today. She is the mother of Kemba Smith. And during the time that I organized and spent two years of my life organizing around the release of Kimba Smith, Odessa Smith and I became the most close and beloved sisters in the sisterhood. And today is her 70th uh, birthday. And also want to send some wishes for uh, the best of health to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, who is ill. He just got out of the hospital on Tuesday or Wednesday, and I understand that he is um, recuperating. But you have to understand that people who struggle for us, people who give voice to our voiceless places over long periods of time, they wear out. And that is why it is so important to do the show that we're going to be doing tonight to talk about how we empower our youth so that when I'm gone, there should be somebody else who is ready to step in my shoes. That is my responsibility. That is my obligation. And, oh, about that, 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 that uh, grand brag that was coming on, uh, shout out to my oldest grandson, Miles Hughes, and yes, he was named for Miles Davis, the legendary musician and trumpet player, and Langston Hughes, the bard of a bard of our times and for our people. Well, Miles Hughes got an invitation from the chair from the dean of the engineering department at MIT, to be his dinner guest. The dean of the MIT Engineering Department wants to meet my grandson, Miles Hughes Graham, and so he'll be dressing up and going over there to the Republic of Cambridge to have dinner with the dean. Uh, I think they're making sure that Miles stays in the MIT STEM program and is getting his application ready for admissions. Uh, this man is a very, very prominent engineer in both aeronautics as well as astronautics. Uh, astronautics. Um, and he was named the dean of MIT Engineering in 2011. I can't remember his name. Also, congratulations to our Common Ground voice, Elder Vernelia Randall. She is a retired law professor from the 
University of Dayton Law School. She is turning up the heat. She has organized in Dayton to challenge the Dayton School Department and the Ohio Department of Education in regard to disparate um, uh, disciplinary action against black children in Dayton. And that's, the, that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We read, we learn, we digest, we synthesize, and then we strategize, and then we act. And because we are not doing that, we are sitting here tonight becoming the most invisible people that built a nation with a history of strong, strong struggle and victorious survival. We, have, we are becoming invisible. So also um, <clears throat> we want to remind you that we're on Facebook. I'm about to turn down my Facebook page, uh, BJ Pete Graham. So if you're a friend there, you need to go over and subscribe to OCG Talk on Facebook. And you can get information uh, about that at our website. If you're not subscribed to our newsletter, ourcommonground-talk.ning.com, and you will receive our weekly newsletter, which points you to all of our online and web presence, including our, our e-magazine, our blog, and our weekly newsletter, news that you can use. So thanks for being with us, and we're glad to have you. We're going to take some time and look at the issues in front of us, and then we're going to be joined by our, our friend and brother, author, A.J. Tayemba. And we're going to get that straight to tonight. Thanks for being with us. Our number is 347-838-9852 if you'd like to join us by your smartphone device. Here we go. The Negro. I want to tell you one more thing I know about the Negro. When I when I go went uh, go through Las Vegas, North Las Vegas, <clears throat> and I would see these little government houses, and in front of that government house, the the door was usually open, and the 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 older people and the kids, and there's always at least a half a dozen people sitting on the porch. They didn't have nothing to do. They didn't have nothing for their kids to do. They didn't have nothing for their young girls to do. And because they were basically on government subsidy, and so now what do they do? They abort their, their young children. They put their young men in jail because they never, they never learned how to pick cotton. And I've often wondered, you know, are they better off as slaves picking cotton, having family life and doing things, or are they better off under government subsidy? Yeah, they did get no more freedom. They got less freedom. They had less uh, family uh, alive, and their happiness, you can see in their faces, they weren't happy sitting on that concrete, concrete sidewalk. Down there, they were probably growing their turnips. So that's all government. That's not freedom. Absolutely. You know when I know that there are a whole lot of people in the United States who still think that black people are inferior, that Latino people are mud people. You know and I know that there are still millions of Americans who think a woman's place is in the kitchen, cooking dinner, rearing the children, barefoot and pregnant. You know and I know 
that there is a significant number of Americans, thank God not a majority, who still think America needs to go back to their idealized, fictionalized, leave-it-to-beaver land of the 1950s, where white men ran it all, where black people came in and took out the laundry and did your laundry for about a dollar a day and then went off to wherever it is they go and didn't bother us. They knew their place back in those days. There were no Latinos around here. There was just good white Christian people here running this here nation. And all that's been taken away by you-know-who. There are millions and millions of Americans who believe this, who are bitter, they're resentful, they are full of rage. They can call themselves Tea Party people. They can call themselves Republicans. They can call themselves Libertarians. You know and I know. Let us bring it to the surface, if not now, when? This nation is chock full of millions of unreconstructed racists. And one of them is 67-year-old Clavin Bundy, the freeloading, moochin' bum rancher in Nevada. He has now been caught on tape, and we got it. So now what do they do? They abort their, their young children. They put their young men in jail because they never, they never learned how to pick cotton. And I've often wondered, oh, are they better off as slaves, picking cotton, having family life and doing things? Or are they better off under government subsidies? Now, this is in 1941. This is in 1908. I mean, this is today. This is yesterday. This is Clive and Bundy and all the people who support him. Young women are uh, having abortions, and their young men are in jail, and their older women and their children are standing, uh, sitting out on the cement porch uh, without nothing to do. Uh, you know, I'm wondering, are they happier now under this government subsidy system than they were when they were slaves and they were able to have their family structure together and the chickens and garden and uh, the, the, the people have something to do. See, they're better off as slaves with the family structure and their chickens and their gardens and they never learned to pick cotton right. So now what do they do? They abort their, their young children, they put their young men in jail because they never, they never learned how to pick cotton. And I've often wondered, oh, are they better off as slaves, picking cotton, having family life and doing things, or are they better off under government subsidies? All right, that is Clive and Bundy. Now here, look, I'm just getting warmed up, and if you want to get in on this, I am here for you. one 321 6001 one 321 6001 I am just getting warmed up. And if you've been with me today, earlier today, on Facebook and Twitter, The Norman Goldman Show on Facebook, at Norman Goldman on Twitter, and in our blog at normangoldman.com, the Justice View blog, I have been posting about this all day. And I have noticed, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, I have not spent huge amounts of time on Twitter in particular today because I've been kind of busy getting the show together and all the Beyond the Norm stuff we've done and everything else. Uh, but I'm not seeing a whole lot of noise out there from the Sean Hannity Rush Limbaugh types. Now, Fox Boobs and all of these coddlers of the racists 
all of these code word speakers who want to just pop out with the N-word all the time, but they know they can't do it because it's politically incorrect. They want to pop out there with all manner of words that they know everybody wants to hear, but they can't because they know that America has left them in the dust. However, they rush to this man's defense, this unreconstructed racist, this old-school, mooching, ignorant old fool. And that's exactly what he is. He is an ignorant old fool. Clive and Bundy, 67 years of age, might as well be 367. Clive and Bundy had all the support that he could hope for from Fox Moves, turning him into a cause celeb, and all of the denizens of Republican talk radio. Oh, he wants his freedom. He is a mooching, leeching bum. He is a welfare queen. I was reading about the history of his litigation with the United States of America, and let me tell you about it. This man's family hasn't been grazing this land for a long time. It's just since around World War II. This guy has gone the rounds of federal court after federal court, and he has always lost. The United States government always wins. There is no question he is grazing his cattle on federal land. He is taking valuable things off of federal land. He is making millions of dollars off of federal land. He is mooching and not paying his grazing fees. All the other ranchers around are paying their grazing fees. Federal judge after federal judge has said, Mr. Bundy, you got to pay your grazing fees. You are grazing your cattle on federal land. And his response, his response? I don't recognize the United States government. Well, that's really nifty, isn't it, Mr. Bundy? All you've got to do is declare yourself somebody who is not recognizing the United States government. That's my land you're grazing your cattle on there, bub. And federal judge after federal judge has said, Mr. Bundy, get your cattle off the federal land and pay what you owe. And he has said no. And the federal government came in and the, and the judges have been saying, you know, we admire the United States government for not just going in there and wiping this dude out and just taking his cattle for, to satisfy the money judgment that he's owing. The United States government has said we are not going to turn this man into a martyr. We are not going to make him a cause celeb like Ruby Ridge with all the people out there on the extreme fringe going, Oh, the United States government come to kill us. Everybody get your guns. No. <laughs> the United States government said we're not going to turn this man into a martyr. And they have backed off. Clive and Bundy is a mooch and a bum. He simply declares that the land is his, and he just takes and takes and takes, and he won't pay his fair share. Now, just to show you how absurd this man is, what an old fool he is. Joe Scarborough, a former Republican congressman from Florida who calls himself a conservative, Joe Scarborough is now able to take the high road. This has happened before. It happened when conservatives raced blindly to uh, put their arms around George Zimmerman, a man who they didn't realize, uh, who gets in, gets in all these troubles because of, they basically pick their friends based on who their, quote, friends' enemies are. Well, there you have it. Now, Joe Scarborough's taking the high road. 
And I have to agree with him. Here's the problem. Is this guy, Clive and Bundy, is so fringy and so extreme that everybody, all the teabaggers and the libertarians, and keep your big federal hands off of me, they rushed to his side. And they didn't know who he was. And even if they did know who he was, they were banking on him keeping his big dumb mouth shut. But Clive and Bundy didn't keep his big dumb mouth shut. He said what all of them are thinking. According to the Times, this is a front page story today. In a recent talk, Bundy launched into a tirade on African American families using a racial slur and adding, quote, this. They were basically on government subsidy. So now what do they do? They abort their young children. They put their young men in jail because they never learned how to pick cotton. And I've often wondered, are they better off as slaves, picking cotton and having a family life and doing things, or are they better off under government subsidy? They didn't get no more freedom. They got less freedom. Now, that's Mika Brzezinski on Morning Joe. This was, of course, a huge topic on Morning Joe. It's a huge topic on Twitter. It's a huge topic on all of the news sites. It is just a big topic everywhere, and it is our big topic of the day. One triple eight three two one six thousand and one one eight 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 three two one six zero zero one. Now I submit to you that my job, my job here right now, is to bring you the raw material, bring you the guy's quotes. Now it was nice to have Mika Brzezinski reading it, but hey, we got the guy in his own words. We got him in his own words. Young women are. Uh, having abortions and their young men are in jail and their older women and their children are standing, uh, sitting out on the cement porch uh, without nothing to do. Uh, you know, I'm wondering, are they happier now under this government subsidy system than they were when they were slaves and they were able to have their family structure together and a chickens and a garden and uh, the, the, the people have something to do? I am just absolutely astounded. You know, it's a it's a it's a mixture of laughter and shock and outrage, and it's just it's all these things and more. Here's my job: bring you the clips. I'm bringing you the clips, right? I mean, even Willie Geist was getting in the action on Morning Joe. Here's a quote from Mr. Bundy: "I abide by all Nevada state laws, but I do not recognize the United States government as even existing." Now that's Willie Geist on Morning Joe. Here's Joe Scarborough. This guy wanted a free ride off the government. I mean, this is Joe Scarborough. There's nothing conservative about this man. This is where nihilism against the federal government, as as yeah. as the basis of your ideology, gets you in trouble every time. This is. Joe Scarborough getting to take the high road and look like the good guy. Now, my job is to bring you the basic raw material to get us started here today. I have done that. Now, I can also tell you that this is obviously what many millions of Americans are thinking. They use this man as a vessel. They channel themselves through him. But, you know, he went too far. He said what they were thinking, and that's not allowed. And now they're scurrying away. There's just a few of them willing to say, no, I'm sticking by my man. Well, I submit to you that some good can come from this. I'm turning it over to you next. And I'm just, I want you to get on these airwaves and you speak your piece and you, you give your perspective. But I'm going to give you one more thought here, and then I'm turning it over to you at one triple eight. Three two one six thousand and one. If you want to weigh in by email, norm at normangoldman.com. But I want to offer you this thought. 
there is some good that's going to come out of this fool. There, this guy, he's just an old, dried-up, washed-up, hagged-out fool. There is good that can come out of this. You and I need to hold him up the way a mother cat holds her kittens up by the scruff of their neck with her mouth, right? The way a tiger, a tiger holds up her kitten, her cubs, right? The way you carry him around. We need to grab this guy by the scruff of his old racist neck and hold him up and say, America, this is what used to be, and this is what still is in significant quarters of the United States. This is what you want to run away from. This is what you want to teach your children to not be. This is not our nation anymore. We have moved on. We have vanquished these crackers. We have beaten them into the dust. We have won. And there are still reactionary racist elements in this nation, and they are not giving up easy. They are fighting back. There's still millions of them around, and we have got to take them, just like the Stegosaurus and the Mastodon and the T-Rex, and we have got to help escort them into extinction land. This man is an example. We need to hold him up and make him a big star and say this is your Republican Party today. This is your Republican Party yesterday, and this is your Republican Party tomorrow. And we have got to vanquish them and send them off into extinction land. Now, you can laugh at him. You can call him a cracker like I just did, and that's exactly what he is. Hey, he started all of this by saying... Uh, let me tell you something more about the Negro. That's how we start. Let me tell you something more about the Negro. Really? We need to use this man as a touchstone, as a jumping board, as a dot, like diving off into a swimming pool, which, by the way, used to be segregated not all that long ago. We need to use this man as a diving board to say to America, this is is a fool who is willing to say what millions are thinking but are afraid to say because they know exactly what's going to happen when they say it. This is the wrong-headed thinking that is in millions of heads in the United States of America. It's still here. It's still alive. It's still around. And we need to get rid of it. And the way you get rid of it is you get involved. You register to vote, and you vote. You don't vote any time you see an R next to a name. You say, no, you're the Republican Party. R stands for racist. We are going to vanquish you. We are going to banish you into the annals of history. You're going into the dustbin of history. R means Republican. It also means racist. And we are going to destroy you. And this man is going to lead us all there to the promised land. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel better. Personally, I, I, I'm glad I got all that off my chest. It's you next. one 321 6001 Where justice has been served. The Norman Goldman Show. Did you hear? Michelle Bachman just endorsed a new product called Cracker Wackos. That is effing. It's the Southern Crazy Cracker Craze. Say what? And it only comes in one flavor, white. Say what? This is the Norman Goldman Show. If you're Muslim, you can't be free. So are they better off than slaves picking cotton? Gosh, I don't know. Now, don't get me wrong. 
there are plenty of Republicans who are smart enough to understand that what old Clive and Bundy said today is unacceptable and he's running away. They never learned how to pick cotton. See, you can't say that. So are they better off as slaves picking cotton? You just can't say these things in public, you say. In my mind, I'm wondering, are they better off being slaves? I mean, <laughs> look, even the Republicans know that they cannot support this guy now. However, however, they are using his message in code. And that's what they've been doing for decades. Ronald Wilson Reagan, which, by the way, six letters, six letters, six letters. Tonight at Our Common Ground, on the second page, why Clive Bundy is not funny. You're listening to Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Broadcasting bold, brave, and black. And we will take a break, and when we come back, here in the first page at Our Common Ground tonight, author A.J. Taimba, Teen Truth. For our youth. I'm Janice Graham. This is Our Common Ground. We'll be right back. This is Our Common Ground. Can you dig it? Thank you for joining us tonight. Transforming truth to power. One broadcast at a time. What you doing out of school? Yo, man, they just suspended me, McBoo. Where are they suspended the teacher? Yeah, man, I'm getting so sick of this, man. They teaching us about nothing, man. You know what the bottom line is for black people out here. The problem is we're still allowing ourselves to be subject to negative information, and we're allowing our children to be subject to negative information as well. Our children are being victimized by white supremacy because we're not controlling who teaches them. We're not controlling where they're taught. We're not controlling the music, the movies, or the information that they're looking at. Look at me. What do you see? 
I'll tell you what you see. You see my hoodie and you see my sunglasses. To too many people when they see someone dressed like me, they see a gangster, someone to fear, someone who belongs in jail. Yo, you know what? Hold on for a minute. Let me take this off. Art class. You know that? I'm not going to graduate this year because of MCAS, man. Oh, isn't that just oh. too bad? Just be quiet and stop all the complaining. Do your work for a change. Oh, you yourself, you got to Come on, everybody clap your hands. What's up? Come on, clap your hands. I need that liquor because it's right. I open my first like Sprite. It keeps me wild for the night. And you know, can I be down with Monsters Inc? You know, can I? Can I? Huh? Hell no! Monsters Inc is winning. Every day we sinning. I like going to jail. It's fun in prison. Truthfully, I think the song's kind of whack. You know what he is? He's a hater. I'm a hater. Never a hater, dog. I just ain't afraid to stand up to whack musicians like y'all trying to brainwash us. And they're doing dumb stuff, dog. You know what I'm saying? The truth is, y'all getting pimped by the system. And y'all are too ignorant to recognize the symptoms. The truth is, y'all getting pimped by the system. And y'all are too ignorant to recognize the symptoms. Yo, they getting pimped by the system. Uh. Every day, same block, same scene. Every day, same dude, same Glock, same scheme. Doing the same dirt, smoking the same green, maybe rocking a different shirt, but same heart thoughts and dreams. I'm a breed of slickness. I only like to push my limits. I'm accustomed to the eyewitness to the cops. started laughing at me, clowning me, like, oh, yeah, now he changed up, this, that, and third, but, you know, I started bringing some of the um, things that we talk about in teen empowerment to them, and ask them the same questions and stuff, and I get, like, more respect. Teen empowerment makes teens feel like they have a voice, like, what they say means something. Brother in the hoods. I don't gotta just ice grill him and figure out why he's looking at me. Why can't I say what's good? How you doing? How y'all fellas doing? My eyes see teens empowered to make positive change. I need to see a supporting family, loving friends, and a place where I call home. I need to see a system which educates the brain and fully builds potential. I need to see open doors, opportunities, and a career. In my eyes, I need to see more dreams coming true. I see my family, my friends, and my children living a full of life in a peaceful community. In my eyes, I see an audience listen to what I'm saying. What do your eyes do? What does your heart do? Tonight at Our Common Ground, the need for teen empowerment in our community. Author, activist, educator. Author I.J. Taimba in Teen Empowerment, his new book, Truth For Youth, a teen self-empowerment 
guide. I'm Janice Graham. Stay tuned, and I'll be listening for you. Common Ground with Janice Graham. Our Our Common Ground. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Talk, talk, that matters. Transforming truth truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Now to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. And thank you once again for being with us. I am Janice Graham with a very limited uh, airwaves tonight, but we are honored to have with us author, activist, educator, Ajay Taimba. He was born and raised in the famed Sugar Hill section of Harlem, New York, He is an educator, writer, spoken word, poet, and activist with deep interest and experience in black student activism, black consciousness, and education. He earned his bachelor's degree in sociology 
from Syracuse University, his master's degree in Africana Studies from Cornell University, and his master's of arts degree in Afro-American Studies from the prestigious University of Massachusetts at Amherst Department of African American Studies. He brings a wealth of experience as a former black student union leader who spearheaded a successful movement to hire more black faculty, strengthen the African American Studies program on his campus, and host a student activist conference at Syracuse and Cornell University. He is an activist with experiences that led him to deliver opening speeches for such notables as Nikki Giovanni, Naeem Akbar, Kwame Toure, Martin Luther King III, Khalid Muhammad, Minister Louis Farrakhan, Dr. Betty Shabazz, and Susan Taylor. He constantly calls from black student unions across the country seeking his consultation to become a professional speaker as a college senior. Some of his most important accomplishments include co-founding Kappa Middle School 215 in the Bronx, New York, co-writing the Essence Bestselling book Game Over, The Rise and Transformation of a Harlem Hustler. His blog of social and political commentaries can be found at mytruesense.org, which is read by people in over 60 countries, his book, The Blueprint, a Black Student Union Handbook, and his new book, which we'll be talking with him about tonight, Truth for Our Youth, a Self-Empowerment Book for Teens. Additionally, he has been featured on NY1 News, C-SPAN, and the AE, A&E di- uh, documentary, The Mayor of Harlem, Alberto Geddes Martinez. Ajay is currently completing his new book, The Black Student Union Handbook, and he specializes in the area of youth leadership development, black student activism, and education, and we are so honored to have him with us. Ajay Taimba, thank you so much for being with us, and thanks for holding on while we had a lot of uh, stuff to get through in this program this, this this evening. Thank you so much. How are you, my brother? I am well, thank you. And I'm so happy and delighted to be on your show, Sister Janice. I have much respect for your show, for your competence, and for your commitment and consciousness. Well, thank you so much. And you and I have uh, been friends for many years now, but this is the first time that we have had an opportunity to get together to talk about your work. Um, You know, I put a lot of importance and significance on the work that you have done, the experiences that you have created and opportunities to serve our community on the fact that you grew up in Harlem. Is that significant to you? Uh, it is very significant because it's the time it's the time period in which I grew up in Harlem. I, you know, I, I'm I turned 46 yesterday, so. Oh, that's right! That. Happy birthday! We we oh, did wish you. you a happy birthday on Facebook yesterday. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, so I came. I was a teen in the 80s, <clears throat> um, and so coming up in Harlem in the 80s uh, under uh, Mayor Koch 
was very violent. You know, the um, the the subway trains, people were getting mugged, some of them sexually assaulted, or every other day. And in fact, the Guardian Angels Vigilante Group, her, uh, headed by Curtis Sleal, was formed during that time to curb some of the violence. We had uh, tremendous amounts of uh, police brutality, in fact, murders of black and Latino people at that time. And there were several street gangs at that time. So, and of course, the um, the influx of crack, cocaine during that time. So I came up, I was a teenager when all of this was going on. And um, it had a severe impact on me because I saw friends, associates, and acquaintances killed in prison, um, turned to selling drugs, dropping out of school. And I noticed that my outcomes my life outcomes were radically different, and I would ponder that often. Um, even now I think about it, and a large part of that has to do with the fact that I had a support system of, of adults and mentors who really inserted themselves into my life and tried to teach me and guide me and give me a blueprint, so to speak, for navigating through life. <clears throat> so it had a tremendous impact on me. I think had I grown up somewhere else in a different time, you know, the impact would have been different. But I, I was located in a specific place at a specific time, and that had a tremendous impact on me. It also gave me – I had a fire burning in me to do something about it, to, to change the condition that was going on amongst uh, many of my peers um, because I'm not one that uh, is big on black exceptionalism. Um, I don't think it's a, you're saying much when your children are doing really well or, you know, your relationship is great or your home is really up to par, but 90% of your family and your community is living in, in wretchedness and poverty and ignorance. So to me it's about building a championship team, not about um, constantly extolling uh, the uh the exceptional black folk. Now, let me, most of your work has been around um, encouraging, empowering youth activism and engagement in, in our community. And um, when I read your new book, which all of you, by the way, should um purchase and you can do so at amazon.com is um in this new book you're looking at at a number of things and the title of the book for those of you who need to purchase it is truth for our youth a self-empowerment book for teens um and if you didn't get the name right it is A-J-A-G-Y-E-I Tai-Him-Ba T-Y-E-H-I-M-B-A So what you're doing with this book is you're not only talking to young people, you're also providing guidance to adults. But one of the things that I had to go out and 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 find um, uh, Whitney Houston and George Benson. 
because one in 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 one part of the book that you talk to teens, you talk about on page fourteen the greatest love of all, and that is helping our children determine the basis for which they must love themselves. So right. your work has, I mean, it's almost like you can look at your career and come to this because mm-hmm. we have not spent a, a great, we, we tell our children that they ought to be successful, they ought to go out and that they ought to uh, have high levels of esteem and dignity, but we don't tell them how to do that, and that's what your book uh, does. So tell us, what the major and significant parts of the book should do and how to use this book, how, how teens ought to use this book and how, you ought to, uh, how adults ought to be using this book about teaching the importance of loving yourself, developing self-confidence, uh, preparing for the future, avoiding major traps, and the importance of, and one of the words that you use a lot in the book that I love, is good decision-making and aiming and understanding the concept of excellence. So tell us what you had in mind and what you think the significance and the critical nature of this book will be for both the readers and for our community. Okay, well, <clears throat> I wrote I wrote the book because of my really my lifelong concern to try to reclaim and rescue the minds and hearts of black and brown youth because, you know, some are on the right track, doing really well in school, listening to their parents, you know, going to places of worship and being spiritually edified. But the the truth is that the vast majority suffer from low self-esteem, poor academic skills, counterproductive practices, and are too easily led in the wrong direction. Um, I was blessed to have parents and family in a support structure of church um, and mentors that provided a blueprint for me. But far too many households, places of worship, and community centers don't really provide such mechanisms. And so the book is an attempt to provide the blueprint that I was blessed to receive and my daughters are blessed to receive to the the larger community um, so that regardless of income, regardless of your class status, regardless of if you're in a two- or one-parent household, you can read the book, you can absorb some of the principles and apply them, and it can help you to get on the right track. Now, I'm I'm clear that the book is no, it's no Messiah type of book, you know. Uh, one book won't change things, but I, I, I think that... Um, our youth need a blueprint. They need to know the basic things that successful adults, for the most part, have embodied and that they understand. So what I'm hoping the book would do is help our young people to take their lives seriously, um, to invest in themselves, to become responsible, to become self-motivated. Uh, and that's why this is not a... a a motivational book, so to speak, um, is not simply an improvement book. It's a self-empowerment book. I want young people to, to read it and to think through 
the ideas and the lessons to work through the activities and by the end of this journey to be clear that they are special, they are valuable, that they have a a higher level of self-esteem, and to understand that nothing that they want is just going to magically appear or come to them, that they're going to have to work hard. Um, Number one, because that's just the law of the universe. Number two, because they are black and living in a, a world that is rooted deeply in white supremacy and racism that teaches them they are nothing, have nothing, and can be nothing. So I really want them, this is really about them taking all the stuff that their parents say but don't really explain to them and really embracing it for themselves because once young people embrace things for themselves and understand why education is important, why practicing and studying hard consistently is important, making good decisions, resisting peer pressure, uh, and all the other things I discuss in the book, then the parent's job is infinitely easier. The school's job is more effortless. Um, uh, future relationships, future black organizations, and the black community all benefit from these type of youth with these type of skills and information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's so great about it is that you do a lot of repeating and association from one concept to the other concept. Uh, And for those of you who are listening and and, and you are going to buy this book for all the young people and yourself in your life, um, you have activities, you know. And and by the way, I have two questions. Um, My grandson, who is 12, he and I were going over the book a couple of days ago together, and he would like to, he is going to get a copy of the book. But he he gave me two questions. Uh, he doesn't tend to be able to stay awake after ten o'clock. So. Okay. okay. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm having a real tough time with this. I'm recuperating from bronchitis and, and pneumonia. But he did give me two questions that he wanted to ask, and when when we open it up for questions, uh, I'll pose those questions. But one of the things things that really struck me is in the book, very early in the book, you help the readers, the young teens to understand, because we don't tend to have serious conversations with our children about who they are, and what they see as their place in the world. And one of the one of the sections that you have is you point to them about helping them to identify if they feel insecure. And right. if they're having if they're struggling with loving themselves. And you show them what might be some of those symptoms. And I don't think we have that kind of conversation with children in our families very much. You know, like, I do this check. My grandchildren think, I'm crazy. I always do this check and say, did somebody offer you a cigarette today? Did somebody offer you some alcohol today? Did somebody ask you to have sex today? Did somebody offer you some drugs today? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, but I, I don't think that adults on an ongoing basis, continuous basis, have this kind of, check that they do. And we certainly don't 
give children the kind of literacy to tap into how they're feeling. And as you pointed out, black children are so prone to so many things because of all the stuff, the negative stuff that comes at them all of the time. So in in the book, and for those of you who haven't gotten the book yet, one of the things that you will find is that over and over there is a structure to the book that's asking kids, this is a workbook with activities, but one of the things is helping kids identify and affirm their experiences as black children. And we don't do that a lot. For instance, you sure you say don't believe the hype in the book. That um uh that and you suggested them that they'd have heard it all. And it's all negative comments about teenagers appearing in magazines, newspapers, on talk shows, on street corner and the gossip and um and you point out that some youth in America have attitudes and behavior that support these statements. But this does not apply to all. For instance, babies having babies gang banging in jail, they're lost mm-hmm. and confused. You say that don't believe that hype that young people don't don't know how to act. Um if it's not on television or in a song, kids don't know about it. And and you're absolutely right, but the thing is that we don't check in with kids enough to know what they're thinking. So here you are providing this this uh blueprint and um as as a grandmother and I certainly wish that I had had it when I had a crazy teenager. Um I mean there's nothing crazier in the world than a female teenager. But <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but you you provide some some brief activities to help teens identify the things that they love and the things that they love about themselves, and that's just so important. Um, you know, uh, I, I just I, I just think that this. I can't recommend this enough. I mean, when when you sent it to me and and I looked at some of these checklists, I was just so happy to know that there's a resource. And if you are a parent of a teen or a young adult, even if you are just a parent of a four-year-old, these are things. They're case studies using Malcolm X. Uh, they're case studies. I mean, uh, AJ, you have just done such a wonderful job. Case studies using Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. Um, so you've just done such a fabulous, fabulous job, and I can't imagine that there isn't a parent who discovers this book that is not going to find it to be uh, a, a treasure. Now let's talk about how you point out the difference between winners and losers. Mm-hmm. You do that in the book, and um, I mean, it, it, you know, you talk about attitude. Right. What do you suggest, both in the book and in your experience, about how you deal with children and their 
um, and 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 their own emotional both uh, reality and 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 what triggers some of the attitudes that our our children did, and how did you identify? what should have gone into this book. In our chat room, uh, one of our listeners is asking, what grammar school and high school did you attend? Uh, well, <laughs> well, I can answer that one quickly first. Um, I attended uh, the School on the Hill, and that was the actual name of the school, elementary school in Harlem. Um, it, was a, it was a Lutheran school, a parochial school, with a very with an excellent academic it gave an excellent academic foundation and this may sound uh controversial to people but i believe if you have a strong elementary school educational foundation that that's really giving you the basics for writing reading computing mm-hmm. and just about everything mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so so I have to credit the school on the hill at that time for giving all of us a really strong foundation. You know, we broke down sentences with sentence diagrams, and we used phonics. We had to pronounce words. Sentences. Yes. Uh-huh. So I, I know a predicate and the you know, noun and the subject and direct object. That was that was drilled. We knew the foundation. And this stuff, I've gone on to other levels of formal education, but I tell young people all the time. My foundation was in elementary school. That's where I learned the building bricks of all of this. And I still go back to these things, outlining when I write my blog articles, you know, uh, structuring paragraphs, uh, revising my writing. So, uh, yeah, I went to uh, school on the hill for elementary school, and uh, for middle school I went to St. Jean Baptiste downtown. And I I want to speak to that quickly and get back to your other question. I um. When I was growing up in Harlem, uh, let's say at the age of uh, 12, 13, had I been so inclined, I could go within a 5 to 10 block radius and get uh, guns. I had access to drugs. All of this was available. Um, However, to go get good, clean, affordable food, my mother had to get on the train and go all the way from 143rd Street to 70 or 60-something Street to go shopping for food. Um, and in her and my father's opinion, I had to go all the way down to 75th Street to get a quality middle school education. And it speaks to called ghettos do, what, what they're designed to do. And that's kind of, it kind of isolates undesirable people. It disconnects them from important resources like food and good housing and, and good education to the point where so many parents have to scrape up their pennies and send their kids miles and miles away from their home just to get an education and good food. So that speaks to the nature of America and how, you know, these, these segregated communities are that way for a reason. You know, it's a shame that you, you can get all of these negative and debilitating resources, you know, right in your neighborhood. But to get some of these edifying resources, you have to go out of your neighborhood. So that, so I just want to make that point. Um, mm-hmm. well, now, and, I, and, you know, it's really yeah. interesting that the the listener was asking that question because just 
I, I'm a I'm a avid reader of your blog at mytruesense.org, and I would have said that you were educated in in a Catholic school because mm-hmm. of your just fine writing skills and and Thank critical you. thinking skills. Well, well, that's interesting you bring that up because in high school, I did attend Cardinal Hayes High School in the Bronx, which is a, in New York City. It's kind of a a pretty well known um, high school, Catholic high school. So that is true. And actually, middle the middle school I referred to, St. John Baptiste, was Catholic school also. Yeah, so you're you're right on point with that. Yeah, you can you can see you can see it. I I always say that you can tell, you know, and when when I teach, uh, I'm an adjunct, a member of the adjunct faculty at a number of colleges here in Boston, and um, I can I can identify a Catholic trained Catholic school trained student very mm-hmm. easily just by the way in which they think. And the way in which they can structure that thinking in their writing, and it's really important uh, mm-hmm. to teach your children how to write and to help them an- analyze their thinking through their writing. That's right. So that's, I mean, that's that's not coming. That's coming from our education back. <laughs> our education. Right. Uh, experience um, because if children can't th- if they if they can't write down their thoughts then they can't see their thoughts and That's once right. they can see their thoughts then you can teach them how to structure in a logical analytical and critical way in which to think by looking at their by them examining their own writing so That's right with, and I wanted to also comment on that, too. It also speaks volumes when you consider that people like Martin Luther King Jr., Adam Clayton Powell, and a number of other uh, black dignitaries and heroes and heroes, right, Uh That Uh that they didn't go way downtown like I had to do or go to Catholic schools for the education. They were actually able to get... They were educated in segregated schools uh, from that all, black, <laughs> all black teachers, as yes. was my mother in Montgomery, Alabama. And um, if you look at, if you read, if anyone listening just read, listens to Dr. King's oratory, read letter from a Birmingham jail, which he scribbles on a newspaper while he's in jail, and think to yourself, this is a person who's not sitting in an office, you know, no computer. He's writing this impromptu out of his head on a newspaper. And look at his references and the po- the poetry of his of the language he uses. Mm-hmm. This was a man educated in all black schools. So I also I just want to make sure that people listening understand. In my generation, it it was kind of a little different educationally. We had to kind of go many times out of our communities to get that quality education. But this does not mean that black communities are incapable of providing it and black schools are incapable of providing it because my parents' generation, many of them were, were, were educated in 
all black schools with black teachers who loved them, who saw them as their own children, and who pushed them to excel. You know, my mother was educated in Montgomery, Alabama, during the time of the civil rights struggle there, and she said she got a fine education there. She went on to Fisk University and got a fine education. But that that's just a very important point I want to I want to say. We have the capability and and capacity to have schools in our neighborhoods run by ourselves with our own teachers that are excellent. But some things occurred to make those things difficult today. And one of them was were ironically the school reforms. But that's a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, so, you know, you know, what you're referring to in the book, the losers when, and winners. When, when I look at your book, and I want to tie this into Truth for Our Youth, this mm-hmm. self-empowerment book, and I do a lot of, this is not just alternative talking. I don't believe that we can spend our time, waste our time just talking about things. We get informed mm-hmm. here at Our Common Ground. We find safety in talking about our issues here. But one of the things is that we develop ideas about how to empower our communities. This book could be the basis of an after-school academy for teenagers in your neighborhood, even if you have to do it on the stoop at 6 o'clock every evening on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Folks. This is a book that can be used to develop an academy. Exactly. All you have to do is use the book. It's a workbook. So I wanted to I I wanted to make that point uh, because a lot of times you're absolutely right. We think that we don't have the resources and the power. All we have to do is have resources like this book, Truth for Our Youth, and gather six kids in your neighborhood, in your house, in your backyard, go to the community center and say, we're going to meet here three times a week and run through this book and make it a course. Exactly. I mean, that is so simple to me that I'm wondering if people – do not get it, or are we too lazy to get it? <laughs> Excuse yeah. me for coughing. I, I really apologize, but I, I wanted to make that uh, to make that point. When, when we come back, we're gonna we're gonna take calls, and the first five calls, we're going to be giving away books at our common ground tonight. The first five calls will get a free copy of this new book um and <clears throat> it is truth for our youth a self empowerment book for teens i'm also suggesting that people buy the book and give to every teen and every parent young parent especially in your families when we mm. come back from this break we're going to be taking Taking your calls at 347-838-9852. We, have, we are honored to have on our common ground Ajay 
Kaimba with this new way in which we can begin to empower just where we live. This is our Common Ground. We'll be right back. Culture. There are no tax loopholes being closed. They are protecting the wealthy with a half-hearted assist from Wall Street Democrats, President. The same people who will not allow bills to be passed to build, rebuild our infrastructure voted $50 billion to rebuild Iraq's infrastructure, $100 billion to rebuild Afghanistan's infrastructure, but not a dime for the United States. These are the traitors of this nation because they aren't in power. See the same thing. We can be as badass as we want. We now live in a nation where doctors destroy health, lawyers destroy justice, universities destroy knowledge, governments destroy freedom, the press destroys information, religion destroys morals. Our banks destroy the economy. The inability to defend on all of these fronts, be it voter suppression, and it, you, you can go down the line. You can go down the line. The Wizard of Oz is 70 years old. Today, if Dorothy were to encounter men with no brains, no heart, and no balls, she wouldn't be in Oz. She'd be in Congress. <laughs> Advanced Urban Progressive Political Talk Radio 10 p.m. Friday Truth Works Network The Alpha Show
You can find TruthWorks Network on Facebook. Like us and learn more about us. India Declare. Real, raw, and right now. It's the I Declare Show with India Declare. 11 a.m. Friday and Saturday. End your week and start your weekend with Real, Raw, and Right Now. 11 a.m. Blog Talk Radio. I Declare It. We began our season this year talking about the school-to-prison pipeline, our need to organize and resist in communities all over this country. The primary caregiver is being taken out of the home. And so a lot of our kids are winding up as wards of the state. And so they're following their parents to prison. And then here's another thing that prisons are doing. A lot of, not all of them, but a lot of black men get raped in prison. And they come back home with HIV and then they infect their women. And so black females are the highest uh, HIV uh, rate. So there are a lot of things about prisons that are destroying our community and we don't do anything about it. You know, I'm ready. I'm with you. I'm, I'm on the front line with you. I'm, I'm on the <laughs> ground with you, sister. And, and I'm Join us next Saturday night at Our Common Ground as Dr. Byron E. Price joins us again. And we'll be doing live organizing for your communities, giving you ideas, solutions, and notions about taking our responsibility to challenge the school-to-prison pipelines where we live. I'm Janice Graham with Dr. Byron E. Price next Saturday night here at Our Common Ground. Be a part of the resistance. Make a revolution where you live. I'll be listening for you. May 2nd, the school-to-prison challenge in your What do they call me? My skin is brown. My manner is tough. I'll kill the first mother I see. You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time.
uh, RJ, did you hear me? No, I, I, I can hear you now. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I think I hit my mute button so I could do some coughing <laughs> during the break and I forgot to turn it back on. Let's go to 904. You're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for so much for your patience. RJ, did you hear me? Yes, I 904. can. I respect you. Thank you for your call. Turn your computer down or your cell phone down. We can hear back talk. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Yes. Thank you for your call. All right, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is George Reyes, and I attended high school with uh, with RJ, and I want to thank him for his uh, continual uh, education to our youth. And uh, his book is leaving a foundation for myself to use some mentoring of young youth down here in my new city. I have a... Uh, Adopted here in Jacksonville, Florida. So I want to thank him uh, for his book that I purchased and I've read, and I really enjoyed it and really going to use this uh, as academic uh, study for uh, my young mentor, my mentees that I'm going to be mentoring here in the, short, uh, in the near future. That's great. Um, I'm, you know, um, 904. I, I, I just, did you say your name was George? That is correct. My name is George. Um. Um, let, let's get a response from Ajay, and and I'm hoping that by next year this time there's going to be somebody, some organization, some national organization that's going to have a summer camp where the basis of the curriculum for the summer camp is going to be this book. That would be great. Uh, Brother George, uh, thank you uh, for supporting me and the book and our young people. And... What what he's doing, uh, Sister Janice, is exactly what I intended for this book. Number one, to be used in house between parents and their and their children, and number two, for um, conscious and committed community folk to use it as a tool in after school programs, in uh, school advisory programs. And even in um, places of worship, a lot of our churches have youth programs. So the fact that he that he sees it as worthy to be used that way is is very satisfying uh, to me because that is one of the key ways it needs to be used for people in homes where they may not get that sort of nurturing. They can go to a community center, and they, the, uh, the the person there, like George, would be using the book and still sharing the information. So so that's a that's just a blessing. Thank you very much, my brother. Mhm. Yeah, George. Um, it, it's a it's a wonderful way in which to use the book, and we wish you uh, a lot of success, and hope that you'll call back on our common ground and share how you're using the book, how your program is going, um, and what your students, what your mentees, how they are responding uh, to all of the activities and the empowerment that's in this um, in this book. For instance, for those of you who don't have the book, uh, one of the things, there's a section in the book for adults to, to share with teens um, how they view their lives, asking questions like, uh, describe yourself as a successful or unsuccessful adult. Describe five positive and negative qualities about yourself as an adult and identifying great successes and triumphs. And when you begin to share those things with children, and especially teens, they get 
that they are have a way in which to connect with adults. That's right. Exactly. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I think that the, this not just a, the book is great because it's not just something to read. It's something that has activities in it. It has checklists in there. It has uh, you know the basis of love, self love and uh, awareness. It's, it's just a great book, well written, uh, and it gives us the, the reader something to do besides just reading words. It gives them activities to think and open up their minds. That's the greatest thing I like about this book. Yeah. Well, George, you got yourself a free book tonight, and does I.J. know how to uh, connect with you to get your free book to you? Of course, of course. I'll keep uh, okay, posting my brother there, and I'll get a hold of him. I appreciate your time. Great. Thanks, George, for your call. Our number is 347-838-9852. You can get in on this discussion with A.J. Taimba, the the book is Truth for Our Youth, a self-empowerment book for teens, and we have four more that we are giving away here tonight at Our Common Ground at 347-838-9852. That is our number. Uh, one of the things I wanted to find out from you, Ajay, is what kinds of are you going to be going on a national book tour? Are you going to conferences? Well, definitely I've been um, doing some research and connecting with people around the country, trying to attend some conferences. A few people at uh, different colleges want to bring me in and speak to youth groups. But I have to say, <clears throat> this book I published myself. I didn't want any big mainstream publisher to change up what I wrote. They, they don't have my experiences and my my knowledge base. I wanted it to be purely from from my experiences without any sort of uh, alterations. Straight, no chaser, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, straight, so no chaser. You, <laughs> so when you self-publish, you don't have a big machine behind you doing distribution, marketing, and promotion, so, or a publicist. So it's very important that as I connect with people or people hear this show and other shows, that they reach out to me. If they say and 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 invite me to come to their town, and I'm more than willing to come to town and speak to high schools. Um, this week and the next few weeks here in New York City, I will be um, visiting some some middle schools and kind of doing, um, I guess you could say, workshops in which mm-hmm. I take a, a particular chapter of the book and really take them through the book in an interactive way, so they can mm-hmm. see how it's used. You know. So that's well, what see, I that's really, I would love to do that. the idea that I have, because you can reach thousands of people at one time uh, on a workshop on on Our Common Ground or TruthWorks Network. Uh, what I'm thinking about is that we take six weeks, and you go through six of the most crucial uh, chapters each week. If you do one hour a week or two hours a week, um, then you've got uh, you're you're reaching a lot of people, and you're also selling a lot of books. I mean, exactly. um, I, I was talking to David Icard the the other day, and he was telling me that he sold over three hundred and seventy five books just from being on this program. Wow. That's in, a testament in, 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 to your in, in to your to you, Sister Janice. You know, 
your your listenership and and the, and the credibility that you've established with your listenership. You know, definitely. I would love well, to do that. Uh, okay, I was, I well, we're going to trying to set up some webinars. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But you do. You see, the thing with the webinar is that people have to stay on the phone. The beauty of, and I've been doing this, this is my 20, um, in October I will be on the air for 29 years with the exception of three years where I was not on the air. And I know what radio, the power of radio, because people can sit, they can wash the dishes, they can get the children bathed for for. For, for this is one of the reasons we we broadcast at ten o'clock at night is because all that stuff has gotten done. You sit down, you you draw yourself a, a glass of nice wine and put some cheese and some grapes. And as I, uh, India declare of I declare show, she has her apple <laughs> <laughs> and she is boudoir fabulous at 10 o'clock on Friday night, and we sit and we talk and we unravel all of this stuff because one of the things, and I want to talk to you about this, and one of the reasons that I played such a long intro to the Clyde uh, Bundy Bundy, um, issue is to show people that radio has the ability to teach to guide, to provide information and help people understand what they should be doing with that information. And Norman Goldman did the best job of the entire week of any broadcaster on any radio station talking to white people about the issue of race in a way which is disconcerting but also people walk away and say, well, I guess I got to get the truth together. Mm-hmm, so right. radio has the power to do that. I mean, I, I came in on the program tonight talking about what uh, <clears throat> uh, Dr. Vernalia Randall is doing in Dayton about the issue of disparate treatment of black children in Dayton Public Schools. I was doing that on the radio in Florida in 1986, which caused a whole scurry of evaluation, examination, investigation, and policy changes in Palm Beach and Dade County Schools. And that is the power that we have. And, and I am so glad that you are open to the idea because you're, I don't think you understand. I mean, when, some months ago, uh, a year ago, you wrote a piece on your blog about the dangers of charter schools. Yes. And that was when black people were running all over the place, knocking themselves out, trying to get their kids into these charter schools, which is nothing more than a capitalist holding place and jump-off place for the school-to-prison pipeline. Exactly. Because citizens, taxpayers, don't have control. So these people 
think they can do anything they want to do, and everything's a big lab, and they got all our children experimenting with them, and in the meantime, children are falling apart. Our children are falling apart, and they're not getting educated. And you wrote this blog, and I thought it was the most powerful piece. As a matter of fact, I have shared it with two mayors of the city of Boston. I've shared it with the superintendent of school, two superintendents of schools. I have shared it with uh, people who I know who are involved on the board of directors of some of these charter schools and pushing these charter schools, meantime draining off all the resources to all the poor children who parents couldn't figure out how to get them in the charter school. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and it is so important that we share that kind of information because uh, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the surface of it, it all looks so good. Exactly. So I am so really ple- I'm really pleased that uh, we, we're going to schedule this and, and have you come in and um, uh, do work, do workshops, webinars on the air around empowering teens. And one of the things that I think that we ought to do is we ought to have teens reading this book and following along. And you guys out there who are listening, you've got to figure out how you're going to organize in your own community to begin to hold up the sky for our kids. That's what we're talking about. And if you don't know where the sky is located and you don't know how to hold it up, you got to do that, then strategize to work with kids instead of sitting on the sidelines like we're always doing. RJ, you know I'm right. Yes. Criticizing <laughs> our kids. And the only kids you're concerned about are the kids. You know, I, I think about my grandson. My grandson was a... A um, keynote speaker at a groundbreaking of a $60 million science and engineering complex at Northeastern University. He was a keynote speaker with the mayor and the governor and the president, and they all love him and they all want to have dinner with him and all that stuff. He's going to make it despite everything. We have got to start empowering the children who have nobody and have to deal with all of this stuff. That's exactly Otherwise, right. we're just going to be an invisible people, and we're just going to be walking around saying, oh, yeah, the white people, oh, they they just just killing us. Well, they're killing us because we letting them kill us. Our number is 347-838-9852, and if you would like to speak with R.J. Taimba about empowering youth, because, I mean, you've, you have studied, it's almost like you, have, you, you knew what your process was going to be at the time that you were at Syracuse. I mean, I was a student leader, um, and it was way before your time when there was no black student organization. We had to create that. We we had to take over the buildings and get arrested and and be ostracized and professors who I had professors who actually graded me because I was involved with the Black Panther Party and because I was uh, engaged in the black student movement. 
Mm. Um, so, and, 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 and the thing is that we have got to reward people who support us. We've got to do that. So uh, how many of you have any questions about where you buy this book? RJ, tell us how they, uh, people who are listening can buy the book, how they can get in touch with you uh, okay. so that they have the resources to do something that has meaning in your community. These, you know, Norman Goldman uh, has been really talking me down about this cussing on the air. So I'm trying not to cuss. But all these dinners, all these awards, when you look at statistics that show that 54% of African Americans graduate from high school compared to more than three-quarters of white and Asian students, when you look at nearly 6.2 million young people were high school dropouts, and on an average, African-American 12th grade students read at the same level as white 8th grade students, and 14% of African-American 8th graders score at or above the proficient level, 14%, and the majority of the 2.3 million people incarcerated in U.S. prisons and jails are people of color, people with mental health issues and drug addictions, people with low levels of educational attainment, and people with a history of unemployment or underemployment, and we're giving mm. out awards? What the hell? Exactly. Exactly. That's that black exceptionalism I was talking about earlier. To make people think everything is cool, when most of our kids are, are drowning. Exactly. You know, and the thing is that we have got, while we're talking about the banks failing and they too big to fail and the government's failing, we are failing. And our children are too important to fail. And that's where we have got to come. I, I, I yes. just, uh, and, and, and here is, yeah, I'm selling the damn book. The book is Truth For Our Youth, a self-empowerment book for teens, and you need to buy it. You know, because Comcast is coming along to screw you in in a few seconds. (laughs) Because the minute they make this merger, your bill is going to go up. HBO is going to cost $2 more. Stars is going to cost $4 more. And your Internet... Connection is going to get slower, and when you complain about it, they'll tell you they'll speed it up for $5. That's net neutrality. Mm-hmm. So you better start buying some books. So the the bill that you pay is the light bill and and, and, and the mind bill. I, I right. know. I, I was on the air. I wasn't on the air last week, so all this stuff has been running around in my head like crazy. Our number is 347-838-9852. If you'd like to get a free book, you can give us a call at 347-838-9852 and talk to the author, A.J. Taimba, about what you can do with this particular resource. I mean, come on, folks. The book has, let me see, 
The book has 234 pages. And it's more information than you have ever had compiled together to give you the kind of guidance. You know, um, it, it has... It, it has activities for you to engage with with your with with your your teens and your young adults. I'm buying a copy for my grand my granddaughter, and she just got her first letter, woohoo, from the first medical school that says thank you very much for your interest in our medical school. She wrote me a little email today to tell me I got the first medical school correspondence. So. If we, our children, don't have, a, don't get a way, find a way to develop a positive image of themselves, of what they do, if they don't see love involving service to their community, if they don't see you teaching, you have to teach a child how to love themselves, but you also have to teach them how to love their people. And that's something that we have failed in. We got That's black right. people. We've we've got not your generation, RJ, but the generation after your generation. As one of our callers called in a couple of weeks ago and said, they're all suffering from the uh, illusion of inclusion. Mm-hmm. But when this black president walks out of the White House and the White House becomes white again. Not that it has been black, but when it becomes really white again, all this, I mean, you've got a Supreme Court with white supremacists, and one of them happens to have black skin. They have said, you will get no more. I mean, I, I was laying in my sick bed listening to two major net neutrality and affirmative action in Michigan, mm-hmm. that essentially says if the dance is over, go home. That's so right. we've got to really shore up and hold up the sky for our children. 832, you're on the air with A.J. Taimba, the author of Truth for Our Youth. Thank you for your call. I respect you. Well, good evening, Miss Janice Graham, and your oh, wonderful now. guest. I declare. Yes, I am boudoir fabulous and enjoying my apple. And, and uh, 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 I wanted to um, ask your guest You get a, a book. Question. You get a free book. Oh, thank you so much. I, I will most certainly welcome. put it to use. How? What would you recommend? Uh, my daughter's grown now and everything, so we went through all of this. But what would you recommend that parents do and and the support network uh, do to help break through the network and, and, and the entrenchment of peer pressure? That's what I've found to be so insurmountable. The, you know, the it's really interesting because you're asking pressure. the same question that Miles that's one of Miles's question. Um, how do you how do you penetrate the uh, the grip and the and the, the um, it's almost like 
I I really thought for a while that you know, and she's grown out of it now, and you know, and everything is great now. And and I told her just yesterday, I always knew you would grow into your power. But for a while there, it was like it was like she was temporarily nuts. And it's like, how do you break through the peer pressure? Because that seems to be for a while. It's like they disengage from reality and only. The peers matter. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, um, I, I cover that in Chapter 7, Chapter called Managing Peer Pressure. And basically, one of the first ways is to help teams understand what exactly that is. So what is pressure itself? And uh, I begin by telling them a force Pressure is a force, and I give an analogy of the human body has 14, the atmosphere of Earth uh, exerts a force of 14.7 pounds per square inch in our bodies. That's the equivalent of the average body of 2,000 pounds. So you would say, well, how can our body sustain 2,000 pounds of atmospheric pressure? But that's because the body exerts exerts that same pressure from within. If it didn't, we would obviously die. And this is why mm-hmm. with planes, they have to pressurize the plane cabin. You know, this is why when we scuba dive deep under the, underwater, we have to have certain type of suits and oxygen. So the point is, for you to be able to withstand outside pressure, just like on the body, you have to have an internal pressure that can that can push out. And the way that we develop that internal pressure is through building up self-confidence. And I don't mean that just as cliche, but, for instance, when a, when a person experiences victory, they develop self-confidence. It doesn't come just through, you're black and you're beautiful, you're, happy, you're nappy and happy. It, it comes from giving, putting them in positions to experience success and to experience victory and triumph, to know what that feels like and embrace it. And so um, that's one of the things that I suggest is trying to find out the things that they are good at, the things they love to do, and put them in positions where they can give that winning speech. They can be on that team and, and be successful. But also how to identify, to go through with them common scenarios that they will encounter as teens. I used to do this with my daughters when they were really young and give them these kind of scenarios. Some of them might deal with somebody tries to offer you drugs. Mm -hmm. Somebody. Right. You mean, you mean, you mean like a role playing? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Uh-huh, know, um, uh-huh. uh this uh, young man wants you to, wants you to come over to his his house after school, and meanwhile you have choir practice or you have uh you know some type of study group to go to and I just take him through all of these things. The other thing is um to 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 read the biographies and autobiographies of people that they respect and admire, and they will note in those stories patterns how they had to take charge of their lives, how they had to separate from the pack, how they had to turn certain offers down. And they right. were seeing 
the attitudes and qualities of people that they respect. I mean, even, and this doesn't have to be just great black leaders. This could be people like Beyonce, mm-hmm. people like Jay-Z. When they read their stories or look at their documentaries, they're going to see uh, Jay-Z's sixth grade teacher telling you that this guy, was uh, his vocabulary was enormous. And mm-hmm. his sister saying how he used to read from five different dictionaries. One dictionary taught the origin of words and, and all this. So this guy, so we see the rapper and the billionaire or almost billionaire, but we don't see all the years of actual study and practice he put in. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, and then another thing I tell him is think of a relative that gives you really good advice and who you love and you know loves you. And when yeah. you're in these situations, imagine that relative is there. Picture their face and voice and ask yourself, what would he or she say about this? I can't, I'm 46 years old, and I still hear my father, who is who has become an ancestor now, but I still hear his voice. Yeah. You know, brother, brother, get up. Handle it now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Do it now. I still, right. I still hear his voice, and I'm a grown man. But more, but more specifically to the point, I teach them in another chapter, chapter three, called Play Chestnut Checkers, a very specific and practical method of decision-making because we all tell our kids, make good decisions, but we don't understand that's a process and yeah. it's not organic. Correct. It's yeah. not innate. Right. It must be taught. Yeah. So, right. well, so, and, absolutely, absolutely. India's uh, thank get you her so much uh, for your work. Miss Janice, uh, excellent show as always. I look forward to getting the book and sharing the book and tremendous uh, success uh, to you as well. Thank you guys very, very much. Thank you, Thanks. India, for your call. And there's also a chapter about etiquette. Don't leave home without it. Teaching children to have some manners. Manners is empowering, are empowering to children. Um, Ajay, I can't wait uh, till we put together this workshop because this book is just tremendous. Uh, and thank I thank you so very much uh, for your your um, appearance here tonight and sharing with us uh, the existence of of this wonderful resource that that you have developed. And I really look forward, uh, and all of you should look forward to the workshops that we're going to develop based on the book. Um, um black and uh becoming a black teen empowerment activist is what we're asking you to do and the book is truth for our youth a self-empowerment book for teens and the author is the activist educator aj taimba uh aj um will will be so um pleased to to be able to present you in a workshop on our airwaves uh, with this book. Thank you so very much for joining us. And uh, for those of you, George and India, who have gotten free books tonight, uh, we still have three more, but we're not going to give them away until the workshop. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so very much. We've got to go. Don't forget, I'm going to be with Norman Goldman on his show at www.normangoldman.com. 
and uh, join Peter uh, Matthews on Soul Emergence on TruthWorks Network on Tuesday. Here is an announcement next week. School to Prison Pipeline with Dr. Byron Price, who will be with us. It will be my last broadcast for two months, and we'll talk more about that next week. Ajay, thank you so very much. To all of our callers, thank you. To all of our listeners, thank you very much. This is our common ground. The time is coming when the window for us to restore the control of our government to ourselves will close, and we had damn well better act before then. You want to know why the American public is fit? They're fit because they're not seeing their Congress do the work that they're sent to do. We need to demand more of our elected officials. Damn Bill to come out here all the damn time. Come out here in the last second. I gotta try to figure out how to vote for my people. They's in the excesses of power. They passed a bill that by their own admission, they hadn't read. This is PR politics. Adam's consent that we bring up the bill to extend the tax cut for 160 million Americans as you walk off the floor, Mr. Speaker, you're walking out. If you want to stand up on the floor of the Senate and defend the Wall Street banks like Bank of America and the credit card companies, be my guest. Why aren't we questioning the underlying premise of the need for a bailout with taxpayers' money? You've been listening to Our Common Ground. We broadcast bold, brave, and black each Saturday evening. 10 p.m. Thank you for joining us tonight and speaking truth to power and ourselves. We are legion. We do not forgive. We do not forget. Expect us. 